Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Skadrians of the Southern Continent? This is Stephen, your host with Phantology Podcast, along with my lifelong friend, Jake, and our first-time reader and guest, Jeff. Jeff has appeared uh, previously on our review of Shadows of Self. We did Shadows of Self and Alloy of Law together. Yeah. yeah? We, okay. We did a single okay. episode of both of them. Yeah. And you're, you're back for more. Back for more. <laughs> Right, because we're talking about Bands of Mourning, the third book in preparation for The Lost Metal, which comes out next month, uh, which we are all very excited for. So uh, that aside, what do you guys think of Bands of Mourning? I guess I'll dive in. I, <laughs> you know, I, I liked it. It was, it was, uh, it was good. I think, I think I probably didn't like it as much as the second <laughs> one, but. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, overall. But I, I did, but I liked it a lot more than Alloy of Law. It was kind of probably between the two for me. So it goes one, three, two for you in order of, or, or no, no two, 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 three, one. one. Yeah, two, three, uh, one. I'd say yeah, yeah. And that, and I, we can get more into that, but that's like my high level. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rating, yeah. Interesting. I really liked it. I, I think it's. I think they progressively get better. So I thought three was better than two. Was better than one. Part of it, I think, is the conflicts get bigger and, and we talked about this in the last episode i think i think it's fine to have a smaller conflict but you need to have a lot better like character work than we get in these books and so i think they really benefit from a bigger conflict and and this one was just more exciting for me because it connects back to past uh lore right. a bit more right i liked i like that element a lot i think the reason why i didn't like it as much as the second is because two things really is one is, and to be honest, I, I did like it a lot, but it's just, if I'm being nitpicky is two. I feel like it didn't progress towards the bigger conflict as fast as I wanted. Cause I feel like they, to me in this end of the second book, it mentions Trell, Trell, right? Krell, Trell. Yeah. Uh-huh. Trell. Yeah. Trell. Yeah, that's like, that's like the cliffhanger in the second book. And then like, I just feel like it covered no ground towards that until the very end. And I was expecting I was expecting the conflict to open up a lot faster. And now it's like, I feel like we have one book left and then there's still a ton of stuff. I, I wanted it to get into like the civil war and the broader like deity mm, conflict yeah, a lot faster. Yeah. And it kind of felt like it didn't quite get there for me. And then the second thing is I just, I'm kind of a, I don't know. I just have a big pet peeve with like Deuce Ex Mahina. And there wasn't any true of that in this book, but it felt like multiple times it sort of felt that way. It's like, there was, Oh, and Wayne is there to save him. And Oh, this ship is here to get us out of this thing. And it's like, I guess he kind of set it up enough where you wouldn't purely call it that, but I, it kind of felt a little bit like that to me. So, anyway. so part of your criticism yeah. is you, you feel like there were like some really juicy nuggets of things like a civil war, like a evil God that could mess everything up, but we don't really get any, we, we don't get into that as much as just kind of left dangling. 
yeah, it was just like another quest basically. And it kind of, it, it did, it did progress it a little bit, but it's just not as fast as I was wanting. But things mm-hmm. I did like is I loved, I really liked the character work more. I liked that Asteris really came into her own in this book. Like she was really cool yeah. in this book. I, I loved her in this book. Yeah. I think Steris is one of the standout parts of this book. So good. Yeah. Cause you get like hints of her. I mean, in the first book, she, like her main purpose just serves to be rescued which is disappointing in the second book you get a a little more of her but I feel like this book you really get a good sense of who she is and I think she's like she's made out to be more competent than she has been in the other books yeah exactly oh go ahead oh I was don't forget that I I was also gonna say um just add on that saying I also really like that he avoided the love triangle (laughs) Like it's yeah. sort of like it, 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 it's, you thought it was going to happen and like the, the trope was going to go there and it just didn't at all. And it fizzled. And I like, I appreciated that actually. Yeah. I, I was worried in the second one, like, like, okay, they're just going to keep this like love triangle going. He's doing this out of duty, but he really loves this person. And I liked how like stairs has been just like a rock for him since yeah. his like struggles after book two and just how, and I don't know, that's like, one of the more naturally progressing romances I've seen in modern fantasy, I think. Well, maybe not modern fantasy for Brandon Sanderson, I'd say. Right. But, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, if it was more YA, they would continue to kind of tease who does he love, who does he not, meaningful yeah. glances here and there, and <laughs> and kind of random sexy situations happening, and none, yeah, none of that. That being said, the the opening wedding like obviously not going to happen and right like, that did you guys ever watch uh the aladdin sequels yeah the the no. second sequel so the third aladdin aladdin and the prince of thieves prince of thieves yeah yeah starts off with like this musical number singing they're finally getting married and then they don't i, I think well do they not i think they don't then as well but just that there's like about to get married and then they don't and like something happens i don't know i feel like that was a little a little cartoonish but yeah but it did make me think of that movie that I loved as a kid so I guess that's a <laughs> win <laughs> what, what were you gonna say earlier Jake when you said I will say though and then you remember that thought oh I just uh I liked how I mean this is kind of the inspiration for these books is like that more pulpy fiction but I feel like this one finally hits the like balance of pulpy but also like uh, well done kind of like an Indiana Jones movie I feel like this had very strong Indiana Jones vibes to it and it yeah. might be the fact that they go to a temple <laughs> at the end but uh, I, <laughs> I felt like I was reading an Indiana Jones novel in a fun way I thought that was yeah. done well I think I, I'm with you Jeff where it seems like the first half of the book doesn't really advance things too much like they're still having gunfights on trains and it's like you know why like there's all these cool other things that we could do i would i think the civil war would have been really more interesting like a lot of political intrigue potentially the conflict between the outer cities and ellendale in the center like that sounds pretty cool uh to dive into but he just kind of teases that and hopefully we get into that in the next book but yeah maybe that could have tied in more here it's it's got like all the the trappings of a cool story but it doesn't quite get to all of it yeah that's what i felt kind of that's what i felt was like a little weird was like he really touches on these like big themes and big conflicts but he just skirts next to them like now into three books <laughs> basically um that, that's what it kind of felt like to me so 
but I mean, but like, again, we'll see. Maybe that, maybe, maybe I'm really curious where the fourth book goes. If it, if it keeps sort of skirting that, but I, I hope it leans into all the, like the big, cause that's what Brandon does, right? He starts with a small story typically, and then he kind of like blows it up into higher, higher level conflicts. And, and I, I assume that'll happen in book four. I don't know. I'm not looking at Jake to see his facial expression. <laughs> I don't know if he's got a poker face. <laughs> no, there's nothing. I'm not conveying anything. Yeah. yeah, it's like the, what it seems like is he was, Brandon Sanderson was thinking, I'm just going to write this small, like these small characters, the small story. And then he was like, wait, the story could get really interesting. And so like you guys are saying, like the setting and and the like periphery events are getting bigger and like, more complicated but we're still following these like small scale characters that don't they're not they're not like a kelsier they're not a uh ven or anything like that you know they're more just i don't know like people experiencing these bigger events and they happen to have like some important run-ins with it but it's not Mm -hmm. it's definitely not like uh yeah like other fantasy novels where the main characters are pivotal to the bigger plot around them that said, I really like the parts in this book where they think back and they're like, oh, I'm nothing like then uh, the, what do they call her? The something empress? Ascendant, ascendant warrior. Yeah, the ascendant yeah, warrior. Ascendant I think warrior. she has an, an empress title as well. And I think it isn't yeah. Mercy who's like, oh, I'm sure like then always would have been in control yeah. of the situation or whatever. But it's fun as the yeah. reader because you're like, man, like Vin did not have her life together at all until maybe like <laughs> the very end. Yeah. That's the best part of of this era of Mistborn, in my opinion, is just the the callbacks and the evolution and like the the misinformation is not the right word, but just how like ideas and figures and history like change over time and get inflated or Mm -hmm. augmented. Have you ever uh, been to the United States Capitol building? I haven't. Yeah. The, the, have you seen the picture or at least may, maybe not in person but you've seen the apotheosis of george washington like oh yeah, it's yeah. like the painting yeah i kind of feel like this series is a really like an interesting exploration of the idea and that painting of like how you myth we mythologize people yeah to the point where they become you know obviously george washington isn't really a demigod status yet in our culture but like some cases in some ways among some people he is and then if you even think further back like i i, I don't i mean hopefully listeners aren't offended by this, but like, you know, I, I was even thinking about like Jesus, if you kind of take your personal beliefs aside, it's like, you could kind of see a lot of parallels between yeah, sort of Jesus and how sort of, you know, he was a person that lived on the earth and then became a God and very similar to like sort of the narrative, narr- like the way that they explored the idea of the survivorists and the survivor church. And I just thought it was really interesting. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of parallels, I think to, real world religions that way i think the buddha is another good example especially because there's so many different um like paths for that and i i feel like that's that's like one thing i thought has been interesting is the religion is more seems to be in these in this era of misborn seems to be more eastern in the real world like eastern religion influenced where everyone kind of believes that all these people were and are gods now but everyone worships them a little differently whereas i feel like most western Mm. religions are more rigid in their um, belief in worship so if you believe like if you were to believe that kelsier is a survivor and is worth worshiping you can only worship him whereas in the book it's like uh, i choose to like worship this way or like yeah it feels a little hindu hindu a little like yeah yeah hinduism yeah like they all they all believe in like 
harmony, right? They believe he exists, right. but mm-hmm. some don't choose to worship him. They choose to worship Kelsier or yeah, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. Cause I, I like just not to like, I was reading and cause I remember reading Mistborn and I was like, Oh, how could they deify Kelsier? Like he was such a person and he had so many flaws that I remember it from the book. And then I started mm-hmm. thinking, Oh wow, we do similar things all the time. And yeah. in our, in our own culture and, whether or not you have faith or, or not, I'm not criticizing that, but it is an interesting like thing to think about. Yeah. It's such a, such like a human in terms of like anthropology, anthropology, that's the word, right? Just like such like a human characteristic to want to mythologize events and people and make them bigger than anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. It's like a, it's like called thesis of that sapiens book. Yeah. 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 I haven't read that. I need to read that. It's a yeah. very good book. Yeah, it's for, all for, about for it's people all about, of like, faith. Beware, though, in the way that, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Also, I mean, controversial in kind of the same way that you were warning listeners, Jeff. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I think ideas like that are definitely worth exploring. And you know, props for Brandon for like his personal religion aside for getting into all these other different types of things and setting up beliefs that a lot of people can connect to. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's what I. One of the things I love about Brandon is like he's obviously a faithful Latter-day Saint and, and, and a member and, and a believer. And, um, and I am too, but I love that he like, doesn't shy away from exploring these concepts and these ideas. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, I think a lesbian character in this book, right. Which I thought was, I thought was really interesting to see introduced. And that was, that was cool. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne has a, a, a crush on her. <laughs> yeah. So Renault. Is that how you say your name or Renette? I can't remember. Renette. Renette. Renault yeah. is a car, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he starts to, in a um, couple of the series, he starts to like really do better with representation that way in terms of like sexual orientation. And in this book and others, like St- um, Steris is written to be on the spectrum. And there's a couple of characters. Have we talked about this? I can't remember if we did last time or not. I think we did mention that Steris really touched it, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that, I won't hash into it again. But yeah, it's cool to see him like start to branch out with representation that way. Yeah, for sure. And Milan is obviously kind of gender fluid, right? Mm-hmm. The whole yeah. I, the whole Condra situation there. It's kind of an interesting way to introduce that. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The snogging between uh, between <laughs> Wayne and yeah, and, uh, <laughs> Milan was interesting. An interesting scene. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so circling back to Kelsier <laughs> and the survivor, uh, Jeff, what was your take on on some of those very last scenes, the the brief little uh, flashback of a, of an interesting character coming back? So the, I, this is this. I was actually like, I haven't. I I just finished the book, uh, and I haven't gone back to look. But I was familiar, but I didn't know what it was in reference to. You're saying when he grabs the coin. And then has a like someone else's memory of mm-hmm. yeah I didn't I didn't actually realize who that was uh, exactly. Yeah, so he's got, got all the scars, and he tells oh. them to survive. Okay, so it's the it's the survivors, Kelsier. Yeah. What what confused me was how he said everything was lines as if eyes were because he's got one of his eyes. He's got a spike. Oh yeah yeah yeah. For some you know for some unknown reason. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> So at this point, you need to go read Mistborn's Secret History. That's what I need to do, yeah. Yeah, to find out how that is the case. That's a shorter one, too. Like, it's a 
proper novella rather than a novel. Yeah, because the postscript says you have to read that. So is, that's in, is that in Arcanum Unbound? Is that how you get to that book? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, cool. I got to do that. Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. Yeah, because like the this whole book, they set it up like, oh, we found the Lord Ruler's temple, right? right. Like the characters in the book believed the Lord Ruler somehow survived the um, the revolution and like exiled himself to the South, mm-hmm. which... I don't like book wise. Did any of the characters actually realize that it was Kelsier at the end? No, not even I mean, Wax. It doesn't show Wax's reaction. Yeah, because Wax sees the vision on the metal mind, but he we don't get his yeah. reaction. We just get the end of the vision, and that's the end. So I guess for a question for both you guys, the up until that point, did you did you have any reason to suspect it wasn't actually the Lord Ruler when you were first no, reading? It's I, hard. For- yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I mean, I didn't even realize it was Kelsier at the end, so I didn't. Yeah. I didn't suspect it wasn't. Uh-huh. So, 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 what did you think, like, uh, like character-wise? Did you think it was like that? It made sense. Like, you're like, okay, I could see the Lord Ruler doing this, knowing that, like, even though he was a tyrant, he did take all that power to try to save the world in some way. Like, did you? I guess, um, did you think it was a good twist to have him supposedly like? working with the South to try to atone for his like mistakes. Yeah. Before. I thought that was really, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. One, one question I have is, yeah. Cause, cause one question I had the whole time was like, I was like, are these bands of morning retconned? Like I didn't, like I was trying to remember mm-hmm. and I was, and I was just reading the book. I didn't want to actually go back too much. I wanted just to read the book on yeah. its own. And then, and then afterwards I was going to go back and kind of fill in the pieces so I, I was I, I couldn't remember anything about the bands of morning. So I was a little confused. I'm like, are these just a retcon thing? But I think now that I'm talking, it's making like it's kind of nice how it fits together. It's cool. So if you remember from Mistborn, the first book, the Lord Ruler has the bracers on his arms. Yeah. And Vin pulls them off. Yeah. And then after that, he's no longer able to continue to heal himself and keep himself young. And so yep. he just kind of withers away and dies. Guys, yeah. I'm pretty sure those just get like tossed out the window and <laughs> Interesting. are never seen again. Yeah, and I think I think after um this book, like the assumption is those were never um untapped connection-wise. Like like they didn't mm. exist in the way that the spearhead was able to power other people. Mm. Right. That was that's the way I took it, right? Like the right. bracers did yeah. exist at one point, but there's no reason to suspect that they would have worked for anyone other than right. the Lord um, Ruler. Yeah. The Lord Ruler. I mean, they could have been the ones that were down there in the basement where that they found. Yeah. And they're like, oh, these ones don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, That's I don't know why you'd go through the trouble to actually find the relic and then make that one seem like the fake one. You could just use anything yeah. as the fake one. But yeah, if it's going to be fake, like you could do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have to spend that effort. But I was kind of disappointed that it was a spear. Like, I thought it was a nice twist that, like, oh, it's like on the spear itself. But, like, I thought it was kind of lame that you're just grasping a spearhead. Like, the idea of wearing bracers seems so much cooler. Seems so much cooler. Me. I know. Yeah. 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 You're like, oh, I got the power. As opposed to, like, I'm just holding a spearhead. Yeah. A yeah. blunt spearhead. It's probably like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I did, I did like the um, the little mystery puzzle there. That was good. Yeah, Jake. Thinking back to my first read, I remember being completely shocked that Kelsier was still alive, and finishing the book and being like, "What the heck?" And then immediately going and reading 
secret history because my mind was blown. Yeah. So that's how I felt about like Kelsey or being alive. But I mean, up until that point, how did you feel about this? Like, did you buy into it that it was? Oh, I don't rumor? remember. I probably just accepted it at face value with some. That's kind of like, what confusion. I did too. <laughs> with some kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I did. Should have yeah. known better. Yeah. I think when I first read it, I was like, I was like, what really? Like, this seems like a huge retcon. Like, how is this going to make sense? Like, mm-hmm. exactly. And so like, I was like, not that I didn't believe it was actually him. It was more like, I don't like the way this book is like going. <laughs> like it wasn't like I I didn't predict the twist. It was just like I was fighting it the whole time because I didn't like the turn of events. <laughs> so either the twist was so good or so bad that it made you actually dislike the book because you believed in it so much. Well, it was just like we saw him wither away and like, how are they going to explain away that he still survived? Uh-huh. I mean you still get that with the Kelsier thing though. Like how are you going to explain away that he still survived? So, right. Which is what Jeff's wondering right now. Yeah. Exactly what I'm, exactly <laughs> what I'm wondering. I'm like, what is going on? Cause in yeah. my head he dies fighting the world Lord ruler. And I'm wondering, did I miss something from the books? Did I, or is it just from the secret history? Uh, you didn't you miss anything. Nothing from the books. You just need to okay. read more. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm sitting here thinking like, am I really forgetting? I mean, it's been a long, I think I said last episode, it's been a long time since I read Mistborn. It was like yeah. 2016 or something when I read it, but 2015, mm-hmm. 2016 months. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I'm super interested. I'm going to go read that book right now. After yeah. Done. Okay. So I, the big twist aside, what did we think of the climax? Cause it sounds like the climax is, is the thing worth talking about the most. Like other than that, there's the train robbery and there's the new Saren stuff, but we can talk about that if we have time, maybe, but the climax was the biggest and coolest part of the book. Is it is it just me or are there way few fewer scenes in this book than the other ones? I think there's fewer because because the big climax of the temple goes on for a long time. Goes on for a long time, yeah. Because if you were thinking about this like a movie, there's basically five scenes. There's not that many because you're like uh, the wedding, the train ride, the po- political event in New Saris, is that what it's called, right? New Saren. Yeah. New Saren. Yeah. New Saren. And then there's like the the secret operation with the ship. Right. And then there's the climax. And that's big. and then the post and then the postscript. There's, there's not that right. many scenes. Yeah. I'll take it back. I think the secret operation with the ship is also a cool part. That's a cool but scene. That rolls I think that's right a really cool scene. the next part. Yeah. 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 yeah I like I I felt like I liked the climax well enough. The only thing that kind of jarred me was like Marcy gets the bands and then like, she doesn't really, I, I don't know. I think it does do well for her characterization, like realizing like, this isn't where I want to be, but is that mm. really the moment you make that decision? Or it's like, I should just try to save everyone right now because it's life <laughs> or death. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It worked out. <laughs> I feel like it would have been better if they like explained her trying to use the power just being like not very good at it because she's not as practiced as wax. And then being like, oh, okay, I need someone who's got all this experience. So Wax has got to do it. That, that's what, that was like, what was kind of weird to me um, was because I, I remember, doesn't Kelsey have to train Vin a lot? Like, isn't yeah. there a lot of time where she like doesn't, she like stumbles and mm, yeah. can't really like keep, keep balance. When, and, and it was like, immediately she's like, boom, I'm a superpower. And I, that, I, that kind of mm. weird to me. I didn't, I didn't really like that a lot. Like I can immediately fight all these people one time, get out of there, get, you know, tr- coin shot myself directly to where, waxes uh-huh. i don't know i that that was only part of all the logistics that i thought was kind of dumb of that fight and then the whole battle scene unless 
it stores what is it zinc that stores mental capacity, yeah like, just like stores yeah. everything so she's able to connect to kelsey yeah English, interesting. basically like the the experience and know-how hmm. there i don't know if that was the yeah. case it would have been nice to like actually have that mentioned <laughs> like she was doing things out of instinct and didn't even realize how to <laughs> It reminded me of it reminded me of Hulk Attorney at Law, which Rachel really likes, but I don't like as much. And like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, have you guys seen that at all? I'm um, yeah. I'm unfortunately, also also didn't really like it. Yeah, it's like I just it bothered me a little bit where it's like you know Bruce Banner has like this long character development of trying to how to like na- master this really hard thing, and then like she immediately like just kicks his butt, and like I'm just like oh, come on, just like. I, I get like, I don't know. I'm not saying they're motivated by the same things. I think probably, you know, um, that was just one teeny bit of a large scene for Brandon, whereas this was probably motivated yeah. by different things. But I just, it reminded me a bit too much of that. So I thought it was kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I thought was like, it feels like it's a twist for a twist's sake. Cause like you don't mm. get anything else from it. It's just the fact, the fact that his sister is evil or mm. betrays him. Uh-huh. There was not there was no breadcrumbs on that one, right? The only breadcrumb was just that she shot that guy right away when he came in. Yeah. But yeah. that's more like a hindsight, like, oh, that's probably why she did that, and not because she was a prisoner, which either way would make sense. Yeah, like the twists that I like are like the ones that there's a bunch of breadcrumbs, like, oh, I should have seen that coming. Whereas yeah. like that one, it kind of just felt like, oh, like you said, a twist for twist's sake. It was not to say I disliked it, but um it just doesn't yeah. give you anything after the fact to like there's no payout, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, she's bad. Right. I and we don't really why. know the character at all. We yeah. Had the one scene with her at the in the prologue. And then yeah. she's here and she's kind of off. And then she's evil. <laughs> yeah. <it's... sighs> That's probably my biggest, one of my biggest complaints with just this series in general, the second era, is because it just seems like Brandon is like riding more at this, on the seat of his pants. Like, okay, we'll throw this in and this will be important. It's like, like we talked about this last episode, like Wax has too much going for him. He's got um, the trauma from thinking he killed Lessie, um, you so know, much, yeah. killing Lessie. And then, then also the trauma of like his childhood. And then also his like sister just died in a car wreck, like from his understanding in the first book. So there's, and then his like right to be gets kidnapped. He's an orphan. It's like, and his uncle is the head of this evil. And then his uncle. <laughs> And it's like, oh, he really hates his uncle, but that didn't ever really get fleshed out. I mean, we, we talked about this and yeah. I feel like this again with his sister, it's like, I need to save my sister. And it's like, we don't really know why you like you from your own backstory, you told us you never spent a lot of time with her anyways. Like you weren't really close with them. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah. I don't know. So I think that the whole sister thing in general was executed not very well in the series. And especially in this book where you don't really see her till the end and it's shortly before she turns out to be the betrayer. So, mm. uh, not to take us, we can come back to the, the climax, but what was the point of the prologue? I don't really, maybe I know, maybe I just read the book too fast, but I couldn't really, it was kind of an interesting little like, you know, vignette, but it didn't, I didn't see mm-hmm. how it like really connected to the whole book very much just to show that he lived with, yeah, I guess to like show his terrace roots and yeah. to kind of like show the moment where he decided that he wanted to uphold the law. But law. I feel yeah. like that's been something that's been really hammered through our skulls 
at this point that exactly. really wants to <laughs> uphold the law. Yeah, exactly. I think it's meant to characterize it. Uh, dang, what's his sister's name? Teslin or Telson? One of those? Telson. It's supposed to characterize her more too, that she's like more of a rebel. And mm-hmm. But yeah. it is kind of a jump to be like, I'm rebelling against these restrictive rules of my community to I'm part of this cabal Tor- torturing people to take yeah. down society I, I don't know yeah yeah that's what I, that's another thing like not to be too critical here but one of the things like i actually felt like it was weird because you were in some ways really like um i would say at least for me i was really sympathetic to the the kind of political cause of this civil war when he explains like how the the taxes and tariffs work and how like they basically right. like, rigged the whole system and you're like, oh, this is really sympathetic. But then they're like terrorizing and like torturing these like poor, poor prisoners of war and then like completely undermined any sympathy. Um, and I don't know. And I kind of I kind of would have found it more interesting if he had made it more morally ambiguous, I think. Yeah, because I well, felt like I he guess, was. T- I mean, yeah. Jeff, I get I get the sense that the set is actually we don't know for sure, but it seems like there's some kind of radical offshoot of this group. And there's probably yeah. a, a bunch of more rational political minds that are also yeah like at that party yeah that's a good point yeah they're like yeah i don't know to what extent the set and the the radical people are running things yeah that's a good point that's interesting i feel like there are two different paths that could have been taken to make this better one would be to really like emphasize that this is a just cause that the other cities have and the set is just commandeering it for their own purposes yeah or you kind of yep. get a sense for that but it isn't really clear mm-hmm. what like what's going on like if they would have really like shown that like no change like this change needs to be supported just like don't let these i feel like they're real world applic or parallels to this but you know what i mean like yeah don't totally. let people take advantage of the situation and like yeah. exacerbate the bad parts of it or i think another I think like a lot of the outer city complaints align really well with like the survivor survivorism in general. And like, if Kelsier were there, like he would definitely be on the side of the outer cities. And I think that would have been an interesting thing to bring up in the story. Like, like have that be part of the conflict and that would make it more gray, but I think with what, what we're left with. And again, I'm not, I like this book. This was the first Wax and Wayne book where I was like, I genuinely like this book. So I don't want it to be like too much of a downer. But I think what we're left with here is more, we have this evil people and this is their conflict. And here's a little bit of why, like, why you could sympathize with it, but not enough for it to really matter. Because these are still clearly, this is still clearly the evil side. Mm -hmm. It's like an attempt was made to make it gray, but it's still pretty black and white who you should support. Agreed. And maybe, do you know who Daniel Green is, Jeff? I don't know. He's a he's a, he's a YouTuber. Yeah, he's, he's like a the biggest fantasy booktuber. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've seen I've seen this guy. I watched one of his YouTube videos after Brandon did the the famous Kickstarter thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's he's really good. He's written a um a, he's written two novellas now. Right, and his third one is coming out soon. Anyways, his books are kind of long. It's kind of a similar situation where the main characters are part of the law enforcement, but it's really clear that they are part of the law enforcement for a really corrupt society. And it's like clear Mm -hmm. that even though you like this character, they're on the wrong side of the conflict. 
And maybe that's what Brandon was going for here, but instead it just makes it seem like, mm. yeah, these like these are law enforcement and these are the good guys and you should support their cause, even though the other side kind of has something that is like mm. kind of a worthy cause. So I think what we're saying is there's a lot of really interesting ideas here that don't fully come to the surface. But for me, it's like, yeah, I, I would want to see more of those things. And I feel like if we could just eliminate a bunch of the cheesiness, like, Get rid of <laughs> yeah. get rid of Wayne trading things. Get rid of the mass yeah. people coming up with goofy titles. It's just like anytime we get into anything that's too serious, we immediately get this kind of like cheesy joke. And it's the I could, whole I, I could do away with of all the, of that stuff. Yeah. And I think yeah. the series would be much better for it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, I was gonna say I agree. I did like I do like some of I think I like Wayne a little bit more this book. I don't know. It um, and so I, I did like some of his silliness, but it feels like his silliness extends into the entire mood of the book. Mm. I could have done without that. And to me, that mood sort of conflicts a little bit with some of these like bigger, broader themes that yeah. like, he's trying to get across in some ways. It's very anime esque, yeah. Where you have <laughs> these like super serious, like intense moments, and then comic relief. Just as intense as that moment was, that's how absurd. <laughs> The comic really is. Yeah, it doesn't really land for me, but I, from what we've seen, it's like one of the biggest selling points of these of these books specifically. Like people love Wayne a ton. So interesting. One one thing that if one thing that I did really love about this book, I just want to make sure I get it in before we run out of time is like, uh, you guys familiar with uh, Clark's Laws? Have you, Clark's Three Laws? Have you heard of this? And mm-hmm. it's like it's mm-hmm. a, it's basically. Uh, three different laws, but the third law says any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And oh. that was one idea in this book that I just really loved the exploration of. And like, I was thinking a lot about it. Like I'm thinking about it now because in my job, we're doing a lot with AI and just like, I don't know if you guys have been following kind of like the advancements in AI recently, but it's just, it's just, it's un- unprecedented. And like people, things that are happening now, like even if you just go back a year ago, people were saying, oh, we're probably a few, like five to 10 years away from it. And then it's happening now. It's just like in crazy rate of technical progress. And so I've been thinking about this in my regular life. And then I saw it in this book of kind of this idea of like, there is magic in this world, but like also technology is advancing really rapidly because it's sort of set in like this mm-hmm. almost like industrial revolution equivalent time. Yeah. So I just thought it was really cool to think about like this interplay between like magic and technology and and kind of how they're in some ways indistinguishable because mm-hmm. I, I thought it was cool. It was a cool theme, which you don't get a lot in fantasy, honestly, because it's usually fantasy sort of stuck in like medieval to Renaissance era. Yeah. Or the fantasy is like, they do distinguish the two, like this is magic, this is yeah. technology. And it's cool. Yeah. On, on like the Mistborn and Skadriel, um magic, magic isn't magic. It is technology because they do understand it mm-hmm. to that degree. Yeah. That's cool. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Like if we were in a society where people could actually do magic, then people would definitely exploit that. And the Jeff Bezos of the world would, you know, and Elon yeah, Musk of the so world true. would turn that into some kind of technology that could be used and sold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking like uh, other fantasy series where like magic is as ubiquitous as it is. And like most of uh, Brandon Sanderson stuff, and it's still treated like magic. Like I'm thinking of the Malazan series, mm-hmm. like magic is pretty much available to anybody who is willing to invest some time there. 
but it is still very much magic because it's because of the different way magic works in that world. Like it's much softer of a magic system than Brandon's. And so it, I feel like it brings up, it could bring up this like philosophical question of, is this really magic in Brandon's world or is this, yeah. Like, is it just a different law of physics? physics? Yeah. 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 It's really interesting way to think about it. I love it. Similarly on that point, I also like this idea with, uh, because it, it's something I think a lot about my personal life. So I resonate with this idea of like feeling passed by, by culture and so, cult society and technology mm-hmm. in, in, in an era where things change so fast, you know, like I'm talking to my brothers and like, what, that's a thing. And like trying to keep up and I, I don't even feel like an old person, but it's like, it's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. Do you know what be real is guys? I feel like it's going to make us sound so old. <laughs> I do now, but I don't, I haven't started using it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found out. Like, like I don't know what it ago, is. I guess I'm the most out of touch. <laughs> it's a new, just a new like social sharing app. But <laughs> oh, gosh. yeah, when when I when I first saw a friend use that, I was like, oh man, how long has this been out for? And I'm just now hearing of this. What does this mean? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think my favorite part of this book, well, I guess we do this thing called Worst of the Best, where we talk about the the moments that we really liked, then like one thing about it that we didn't like. So for me in this book, it was Wax's conversation with Harmony because I really, I think a lot of people really resonate with this idea of like, you know, you basically like, God, you let these terrible things happen to me. Like, how could this be, right? Everyone kind of feels that way at some point in life. And so I really resonated with that conversation. I thought it was cool that God was there talking to him about it. However, I I don't know, like, I don't, I guess I was like expecting Brandon to have an answer for me in the moment, which it wasn't the most satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, uh, Harmony just says like, I'm doing a lot, but I actually can't because here I am under attack by this unknown force coming after me, which is certainly like an interesting idea. Like, you know, maybe God is doing a lot, but he actually can't because he's got his own issues. Bigger fight, bigger battle. (laughs) I mean, depending on, I don't I, that doesn't necessarily like align with my belief system. And maybe I was just a little disappointed that Brandon didn't have the answer for me in that moment. But I thought it was I thought it was a cool conversation, at least. We'll we'll say that. I, I thought it was really cool, but I think I think the issue with your mindset going into that is just harmony is is not parallel to like the standard like Western God. Western God in terms of yeah. like omni anything. So you don't actually believe in harmony, Jake? <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just saying if you, I feel like if you believe in harmony, there's a justifiable reason why like he lets bad things happen, like, or not just file, but there's an explainable reason why. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, okay, it's just sure. not a one-to-one. You, you sure. can't take the answer from harmony and apply it wholesale. <laughs> okay. So I can't actually like study Brandon's books as books of scripture and theology Uh, i mean of some theology i'm sure (laughs) but that's what i but then back to your point about like eastern religion like i I do like that in many ways these are little g gods and um yeah yeah and it's it's really it's really interesting like um yeah I, i love that yeah and i like honestly i don't know if they talk about it too much in this book but just in the wax and wayne series in general and this might be coming from some words of brandon as well just the idea that harmony himself is kind of limited on what he can do by the nature of his intent and just how like the intent of shards really influences what they're able, what they can and what uh, Mm -hmm. accomplish. And since he has like these opposing forces inside of him, 
like right now he's in harmony but he's only in harmony because he's not like really doing much he doesn't have a lot of intent well it's like he needs to destroy and create and so that just leaves you in this like or destroy and preserve so that leaves you in this uh right really limited mindset um whereas like like for other um cosmere shards like cultivation you know you can do so much under the guise of cultivation you know and so that like that makes his it's interesting because it gives him like more power because he has two shards and i'm under the assumption that shards are all of equal proportions like they're all equal six amount of mana from each yeah and so he has two so he essentially has an eight right but because they're diametrically opposed like he has more power but can't do much you know Mm. that's interesting does um is this isn't exactly really but just in the broader cosmere in the broader cosmere is skidriel what skidriel skidriel what's the skidriel yeah skidriel is skidriel supposed to be closer to earth than some of the other planets they're all in a different galaxy yeah i don't think earth is even a thing no but i'm but just like in the way it's patterned there's he has never spoken to that because like oh it's it's the most earth-like yeah he said it's the most earth-like yeah yeah because to me it just feels so similar to earth and i i wondered if he was like leaning into that as part of his universe like in the way even in like the way the technology has developed it like really Uh, matches you know like like i said it really matches that sort of like early industrial revolution period post world Mm -hmm. post civil war in the United States. Like I felt like I was, I read devil in the white city. Have you guys ever heard of that book? It's about, Mm -hmm. it's about like the Chicago world fair in the 1890s. And I just like, I felt a lot of the vibes from that time period from that book in this book. And it it was, so yeah, I was like really interested in that, in that, um, in that connection. And and it also made me think like, Oh, interesting. What is like, is there like almost an, you know, like in tech trees and like in, in games, I was thinking about like tech trees and society. I'm like, is there almost like an inevitable, you know, like tech tree for even if you're in different worlds or could you, for example, like live in a world with computers, but not airplanes or like, I don't know, just because it's yeah. it really felt like the tech tree in this world was very similar to the tech tree in, in on mm. earth. Yeah. He said he's like intentionally making schedule as like earth-like out of all okay. his other worlds. Sure. That tech tree idea is interesting. I was recently watching Turner classic movies, that channel and they just play like older movies and it's they're playing like a sci-fi marathon and it's really interesting to see like the view of like the future from the 1950s and how that tech tree goes like you still have all these like you can go light speed but everything's analog still you know (laughs) or like how no one predicted like the the cell phone like smartphone age and things like that but like all these other things anyways yeah Right. I was just watching Andor, the new Star Wars series. And yeah, I had a similar thought because they're going light speed and doing all these cool things, but they're looking at these tiny computer screens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, something is off about this. And yeah. the reason it's off is because I'm watching them go light speed on my, you know, 55 inch TV. <laughs> or, and they're looking TV. at this tiny thing. <laughs> and they're using projection monitors still. <laughs> right. Yeah. Really, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So best and worst. Um, my best scene there's a lot of things i like i i, I like the conversation between, between wax and and harmony i would say um I'll, I'll throw a curveball on this i really liked the scene where um where steris and wax kiss <laughs> where they actually realize they have real emotion for each other that had emotional payout for me when they're same 
when they're like floating up in the sky somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. After it's like after the after party. The, she throws up at the party, which is not yeah, not yeah, a good yeah, part yeah. time to kiss. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, then they kind of like kidding. go escape. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that in the moment, or else I might not have the same emotional <laughs> payout. But like, no, I'm but, sure uh, no, that I'm sure that Starius planned for that eventuality and yeah, brought some, some gum. Yeah. They have gum, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like Altoids really fits in the Wax and Wayne universe. Uh-huh. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really like the, uh, I don't know, this is like a, a love-hate scene that when when they're uh, in the very beginning having the, the, what are they called? Like the projector, the slide, the slideshow oh, yeah. going on. Right, the info dump scene. Yeah, I, like that's the part that it was like hard for me. Like this is so much like just exposition clearly. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, we got to get people caught up because I want to do right. cool things in this book. So I just got to like info dump yeah. here. <laughs> But also, again, it was done in a way where it's like, this feels like, like the campiness of Indiana Jones, like that perfect level of camp and action and like, fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hmm. I could see that. All right. I think that's a wrap for Ben's Morning. Thanks, Jeff, for joining us as a first time reader. We'll have to, uh, I guess, do a Lost Metal review as well with you when that comes out. And, uh, and I think we're giving you a homework assignment to read Secret History before that. Secret History. Yeah, well. I'll read that before. Yeah. I got till November 15th, you said, till the last mile comes out. So a few weeks. Yeah, something like that. Weeks. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. And if you have any questions about how that goes down, you can watch our review of Secret History. Okay. Where awesome. we, I don't know how good of a job we do, but we do talk about the book. We also have an episode of what you should read before reading The Lost Metal. So oh, nice. yeah, yeah. So if anyone's if anyone's watching and is excited for Lost Metal and wants to know what to expect or what to read to be ready, uh, watch our episode about that. The short spoiler answer free. is, uh, well, there's no spoilers. We don't do spoilers for the book, but the short answer is like, you should read a lot of the Cosmere stuff <laughs> to really like it. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I'm trying not to be too spoilery, but I also want to give yeah. people a taste. Yeah. So watch that episode. <laughs> cool. Thanks. I love it. Or was cringing because he thinks I was too spoilery just then. No, it, I, I have a lot I want to say, and I'm reining it in. <laughs> Hold it in. Hold it in for now. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you later. See ya. Bye.